This is exactly right. Hello, everyone. It's spooky season, and you're listening to October's new bonus episode of Sitting Down with Dr. Dan. That's me, Dr. Dan, and I'm here with our amazing audio engineer, Phil, also dad extraordinaire, to answer all of your virtual mailbag listener questions, which we love. We get them through DM on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we also get them through email, podcast at drdanpeters.com. Send them any way you want. We love them. Hello, Phil. Hello, Dr. Dan. Here we are. One of my favorite, favorite times of year, which maybe we'll get into a little bit. Uh, I hope we do. the end of today. Yes. Uh, I, have, I have no doubt, but uh, it's October went by in the blink of an eye. I just had, I have, every month seems to go by faster and faster. That tends to happen the older we get. It's it's proving to be fact. Yes, yes. <laughs> so we've got uh, three fantastic questions for this month's special episode. All three questions are from email, and let's just jump in with question number one. Our fifth grade daughter picked out a Halloween costume that is not age appropriate. She wants to be one of the characters from the Euphoria series, and she wants to go as a group theme along with friends who are also dressing like show characters. Mm -hmm. We know this is a bigger issue. We do not allow mature viewing in our family, and some families have different rules, but the subject and sexy looks are a big no. We need help. Mm. Mm. Yes. This, um, <laughs> so euphoria, I mean, this, this is, this has been going on for a long time. These days it just happens to be euphoria, but there are several, yeah. there are several different versions of this where there is a show that is more adult like, or what will be seen as racy or, um, at inappropriate given family values, given the age of the child. For those right. who don't have older kids and don't know about euphoria, euphoria has really taken off on Netflix, and it's a show of about high schoolers who are um, sex, drugs, relationship, love, social media, and a lot of drama. And so it really highlights this part of um, teenage, adolescent, high school culture, which it would be completely normal for a parent of a nine or 10 year old not to have their child going out mm -hmm. in garb, which is seemingly inappropriate and represents something. Now, I think we here we have to take a few steps back because a lot of times in parenting, we go straight to the, okay, is it a yes or a no? Or, and often it's like more of the no. I think it needs to start with a conversation. You don't even have to know exactly where you're going to end up. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't have to end up in any particular way at the end of that conversation. Yeah. Because you need to buy time and use this as an opportunity to educate. So for example, um, so honey, so I understand your friends are all going as characters in Euphoria. What do you know about that show? Um, what have you have you seen that show? What have people told you about the show? Do some of your friends watch this show? What do the characters wear? 
Tell me what you know about the characters. Um, what do the characters represent? You know, so these are all questions that your child may or may not know some of the answers to. Right. And then it's an opportunity to start getting into um, what you know about the show of, well, it has somewhat of this content about these things. These are things that seem to be older. And these are things that we would all want to talk to you about when you get older as well, because you're yeah. going to be exposed to some of these things. But I'm wondering um, what the options are with this. You know, so I, it's like, it's, it's, it's dig in, like dig. And this could be the opportunity about, um, to talk about sex, to talk about right. drugs. Um, the author that we just podcasted with, um, uh, Inat Natan, in her book, she talks about having these conversations very early, earlier than you'd even think, yeah. to start infusing, start infusing these um, health and, and for your kids to get information about these things from you and not just friends. Um, right. Or social media. Or social media, correct. So you, as dad of two, uh, two teenagery type young teenagers, what do, what do you think? So, yeah, um, girls, I should add, not just yeah, teenagers. Which, yes, right. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so I love the point you made about you don't you don't need to know where the conversation is going to end up, and I'll add one point onto that. It's often of great value to you as a parent approaching a conversation without that endpoint in mind, without that expectation in mind of this is mm -hmm. where, you know, this is the conclusion we're going to reach with this conversation. Even if you've already reached a conclusion, maybe the time, especially with a subject like this, might not be for that flat out yes or no. Uh, this might just be setting that stage for that healthy conversation uh, where you can hear your child's thoughts, they can hear your thoughts, uh, but then you're not introducing that element that might lead to some contention and then you lose the message because mm -hmm. in, I'm not going to say understanding teenage girls because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> However, I do, I have noticed that sometimes a lot of the message is lost when there is focus on the answer or the outcome of, of the, of that question. Right. 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 So I think, uh, you know, just go into the conversation without an expectation of, you know, where the conversation is going to end up. And then like yes. you said, Dr. Dan, that's going to buy you a little time and maybe even end up with some kind of compromise. Uh, and then along, um, the lines of like the costume selection and another strategy you could potentially take to, to guide the conversation is, uh, and we'll lead into a segue into a conversation about the heavier topics is saying, well, you know, this is a, a pretty mature show. I'm going to take a wild guess, guess that a lot of your classmates probably don't know the show and won't have any idea of like, who you are, like what your costume is. Mm -hmm. So maybe you want to pick something that someone's going to be able to recognize and say, oh, that's such an awesome costume. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then from there, you could start talking a little bit about the mature content of the show, assuming they have not seen the show. And believe it or not, my 13-year-old uh, daughter came to us being mm -hmm. very interested in watching Euphoria. Mm -hmm. And we had a good discussion about it. Uh, it. It wasn't, we said it's not so much about 
about the sex. You know, it's not so much about, you know, the drug references. You know, we've had some good conversations on those subjects. It is more of the take that and then add in some very heavy emotional content, uh, which we said you just may not be ready to handle. And once you see or experience something, you can't you can't take that back. You know, that's right. gonna that's right. gonna stick with you. And you know, as your parent, you know, we're there to to guide you with these choices or you know, make some of these choices for you always in your best interest because we have that sort of a, a greater understanding of of of, of the war because yeah. of our yeah. experience. But bottom line is what always seems to resonate with my girls is you know, you have your whole life to watch X, Y, or Z and see and experience X, Y, or Z. But it's hard to remove those negative experiences, mm-hmm. especially from mm-hmm. with things that you're not ready for, and those tend to stick with you. And right. and right. that seems that does really seem to to resonate with them. That approach has worked pretty well so far. Well, and it's different than a no. It's an actual. Yeah. Com- it's a conversation and an explanation and mm-hmm. an opportunity for um, a back and forth. Yes. And I think what I also heard in your um, approach is is the curiosity. Like right. we need to stay curious as and like keep our anxiety and parental fear down, um, and stay curious. Like stay in it. Like stay yeah. in this conversation. Um, yeah. We we talk about this from time to time on this show. Um, Scott Peck in The Road Less Traveled, an amazing book, talked about it's not whether we say yes or no to our kids. It's that they know that we care enough to really consider the response. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And you know, having conversations like this, ultimately, one, are going to give you just more information about, about your kid so you can be more effective as their parents. The more you know what's going on up there, the more equipped you are to be able to have these conversations and keep them, you know, relevant and keep the kids engaged with you. And the beauty of taking this approach is like you said, it's, it's open-ended, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really the way we view it, it. It's a no for now, right? It's a no for now, but it's not a no forever. And Mm -hmm. And that also encourages um, our girls to, you know, behave maturely, behave responsibly, be on top of it, um, and and so sometimes that no can become a yes even sooner. They've discovered mm-hmm. when they show, mm-hmm. you know, these these attributes that we're that we're looking for. Nice, nice. Okay, I'm glad I found that thought. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> All right, question number two. Uh, new dad question. I love it. All right. Moms do a terrific job with socializing young children, but how can dads contribute? Are there dad playgroups or play dates? I'm about to be a new dad and discovered your great podcast. Thanks. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you. And yeah, uh, absolutely. We love involved dads. Um, so it's a great question. So there is, there are a lot of involved dads these days. You know, yeah. much more in yeah. our 
father's generations and there are dads yeah. at the parks and there are dads at drop off and there are a lot of um, stay at home dads. So you're, you, you won't be alone. It is the question is, okay, where do you find your people? So I would say that there are ways that you find them informally and then there are ways that you could try to um, find them more formally. Um, again, when you go to uh, the parks, or you go to daycare, you're going to be meeting people um, of, of both of all genders. And you will, st if you go to the same place, you start to meet the people. And if you go to the same place yeah. or places at different times, you'll meet the same different people because people have their routines. <laughs> right. And here's the thing <laughs> is everyone having been one of those dads, Everyone is looking for a little connection beyond just the connection with their child. Everyone's looking for the shared experience. And, yeah, you know, absolutely. while you're pushing on the swing or chasing around like other people to engage with. So yeah. I would say, know that there's going to be others like you looking for the exact same thing. Um, also, as your kid starts to get older and there are uh, play groups and there are... Um, classes and preschool and sports, you're going to meet more and more of these, of these dads. Mm -hmm. And again, if you put yourself out there to say like, Hey, do you want to start like a dad and kid group? Um, you're going to get a lot of, you're going to get a lot of takers because again, yeah. people are looking for connection and, uh, looking to share experiences, um, that they're having because as being a first time parent, you have lots of different thoughts and feelings and emotions, some of which you thought you were going to have and many which you were surprised by, but mm -hmm. you're not alone in having those. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And as, as your child gets older too, as you were mentioning, Dr. Dan, another, another great way that I've, I've found in my experience also being a, you know, very involved father is getting involved at the school, you know, volunteering at the school, you'll meet other parents. Uh, our school system um, is part of a fantastic program that I'm pretty sure is nationwide. It's called uh, the Watchdog Dads, and you go in and you help out at the school. You basically spend the day at the school, um, volunteering around the school, spending time with your child, but it's a group of dads, you know, focused on being good dads and just showing just that, you know, that dads are here to contribute and be involved. And the group is all around that, um, creating that sort of network of, of dads who are involved and invested. So when the time comes, you know, look into programs like that. And you know what, you know, when your child gets into elementary school, if there's not a watchdog dad program, that is something that you can yourself get started at the school and, and help other dads out as well. Nice. Nice. Yes. And, um, and there's also these days a lot of mixed parents connection, yeah. dads and moms, yeah. you know, yeah. hanging out together too. Yeah. So just there's, I, I get also the need for, um, other dads having their own experiences, but also you're gonna, you're also gonna meet some really cool moms that you hang out with yeah. also. Yeah. A lot of, there's a lot of great like-minded parents out there mm -hmm. for sure. Okay. Question number three. I'm a work from home mom as a result of the COVID pandemic and just found out my job will remain remote. I've done this for two years and I'm feeling isolated and having a tough time accepting this news because I never wanted to work from home, but I'm not in a position to look for a new job. 
I feel jealous that my husband gets to go back to an office and now I'm always home. Darn COVID. Any advice? Yeah, that's tough. You know, it's interesting. It just, I'm hearing so many different perspectives on where to work, who wants to work where. So for example, there are a lot of people who are being pulled back to the office and they don't want to go. They want to be home. Right. And in this case, um, our listener is stuck at home and her husband gets to go back to work. So again, it's everyone has their own perspective, mm-hmm. all valid. Mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, so first to validate, that's tough because this has been isolating for a lot of people and particularly people who did like going to the office and did like meeting, uh, talking with their colleagues and their coworkers and, you know, just that regular connection that you, that we, I think that we, many of us took for granted before we were all sent home. And so I would say, what can you do to mix it up? For example, um, can you work somewhere else? Can you yep. get a shared office space? Can um, would your office be willing to um, to rent a space for you and maybe some of your coworkers if you happen to be in the same vicinity? How can you get out um, in the world so you are not stuck? Because I think the other thing about isolation and forced isolation is the feeling that we are trapped. And when we are trapped and feeling like we have no choice, we can get depressed, we can get anxious, we can have distress, and we can be pretty burnt out and bummed out um, and anywhere in between. So I'm hearing a strong need to mix it up somehow, even if they are not having you come officially back to the office in a way that your life can look a little different. And then also, I would, um, I'm sure you have shared this with your husband. I would strongly encourage you to talk about this, to get those feelings out, right? It's not his fault that he gets to go back. Who knows? He might actually want to be at home. Um, But I think it's important that these things are discussed so the resentment doesn't build. And you guys can work together to think of ways of how to mitigate this reality. Yeah, no, that's great points. And I think the thing is, too, with people that work from home long term, uh, some individuals, like you said, will feel, again, like our like our listener, isolated and it, it becomes depressing. Uh, it can sneak up on you. Some folks aren't even aware uh, that they're kind of getting into this, what I call like this hermit mode. Uh, and so the fact that you, you, our listener, is recognizing that this is posing a problem for you. That is huge. Now, mm-hmm. like you said, you know, you you can't risk looking for another job. You don't see any change in this current situation. So, I would also suggest is really in a very deliberate way. I mean, you can sit down with a piece of paper and say, "Here are the things." that I am able to do in my day because I'm able to work from home mm-hmm. and, and, and make it, uh, you know, make it an exhaustive list. You can have everything in there from, you know, I can do, you know, I can run on the treadmill in the morning all the way through. I'm, I, I'm doing laundry and I'm emptying the dishwasher and then figure out what, one in that list can actually serve you and improve your day. 
right? Mm-hmm. And, if, mm-hmm. and, and then figure out what in that list is making you feel even more trapped, like being responsible for everyone's laundry and trying to get your work done or, or cleaning, you know, cleaning the oven and getting your work done or, or whatever. And, and this is as gender non-biased as possible because I have been in the situation too where I worked from home, but I was doing everything around the house too. And, mm-hmm. and that was bumming me out and building some mm-hmm. resentment as well. And so I think if you can identify what are opportunities uh, to enhance your day um, through working from home, that's going to help too. And then when you throw in mixing it up a little bit and, and just going to work somewhere uh, that's not your, not your home, home base, the library, you know, a coffee shop, uh, just the act of getting out and working somewhere else uh, will relieve us, mm-hmm. will relieve some of that. But then of course, make sure you know, this is something that you are one communicating about and, you know, so you that you don't feel alone in this, and that your husband is is as aware of as possible of what you're experiencing, so you guys can share this experience, right? So you are just not the one who is feeling alone, but rather yeah. you feel like you have someone that is is there to support you and and make this as you know easy an experience for you as possible. Yes, yes, and. The other thing that I think the final thing I'll say is I, I hear that you're not in a position to look for another job. What I would say is, again, the feeling of being trapped is really suffocating. And sometimes just perusing online, going on Indeed and just looking at what else is out there, that mm-hmm. in and of itself can be freeing in the sense of choosing what you want to do. Like choosing not to apply because you are determining that what you have now is going to work well enough. Or choosing to apply even if you're not going to accept a job. Again, any way where you can feel like you have more choice can feel emotionally and psychologically a little better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then one final, final point too you know, if you, if you feel this burden is just weighing you down and you're not also speaking to a professional, I mean, there are plenty of folks that have ended up in a rut from switching to remote and then being permanently remote. And you could get some valuable insights and tools as well um, by finding a good, a good counselor and, and going to their office, for example, and that gets you out of the house and then you're able to process outside of your home too. Cause sometimes it does also help to be able to process this kind of stuff with a third party outside of your, outside of your space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good questions. Really great questions. Yes. Okay. Uh, moving on to the next Subject, yes. is there a way to include children in an age-appropriate way and build a habit of quality parent-family time around a traditionally grown-up hobby or activity? <laughs> oh, this is a front-loaded question because yes. this is, um, let's just dive in here because this is We're awesome. Diving. We're diving in here. So everyone, so Phil, in his, he has many hats. And in, uh, he also has a podcast of his own um, on paranormal exploration and activity. Yes, and correct. he has a hobby passion 
to go on these hunts. And mm-hmm. um, what we're going to talk about is how your kids have become part of these yes. <laughs> spooky, uh, potentially very scary things. Yeah. But as yeah. I understand, in a really exciting, affirming, and anxiety reduction sort of result. Yeah, it's been an absolutely remarkable and unexpected journey. Like, as you mentioned, it began with a podcast. I spoke to a lot of amazing people, had incredible experiences, and inspired me to say, hey, why don't I start doing this myself? Then I got a friend involved, then my wife got involved, and then our whole families became involved in going out and um, doing this paranormal investigation thing. But the thing was right at the outset, you know, it wasn't about going out and getting scared, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't about, you know, those, what you see on TV where people are screaming about the evil spirits and running around looking like maniacs, but rather going to an incredible location, connecting with the history bonding with people in in a meaningful way whether or not things are going bump in the night or you know they are mm-hmm. and and that has really just enabled a lot of very interesting things to take place one when you're in a spooky location and you're you know you're reaching out to whatever may be there that alone just the excitement that that generates and that and the fear yeah mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. just really creates a bonding experience Uh, but then also at the same time, right, you have to, if you're going to do something like this non-traditional pastime with your kids, it's really important to be on the lookout for how they're doing, uh, and check in with them and see how they're feeling and assess if they are getting too spooked, then you you back off. Uh, but it's also a great tool for just being able to check in with your kids uh, mm-hmm. because you know, you might be checking in with them in this sense and in, in this scenario. Uh, but it also helps really foster that, that bond of one trust and they, them knowing that, you know, you are there when they need you, uh, but also allowing them to grow and rely on themselves and through it all realize, which is what we've observed is, them seeing that, oh, wow, I'm a lot braver than I thought, number one, and that I can be in this dark place asking, you know, are you Mm -hmm. here? Give us a sign and have that be okay. And then when something actually happens, one of our devices goes off or which has happened on a few occasions, we hear a disembodied voice, which is mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Um, that, That fear response that you think would come with something like that isn't there. And Mm. so this is also taught this lesson of, again, measuring your expectations and not Mm -hmm. always having that sense that something bad is going to happen or something scary is going to happen just in life in general. Uh, And knowing that no matter what, you have the tools to be okay. And Mm -hmm. The, mm-hmm. Those types of lessons have really served the girls a lot with with their anxiety, with their self confidence. It's been it's been really interesting to see because they started off on the sidelines, 
very sheepishly, very kind of a little nervous. Mm-hmm. And then it's evolved into, you know, they will, the girls will go off on their own into like a different space in wow. the location and they'll do their own, wow. do their own thing for a little while. But then also when they, you see they get a little spooked, then they come back <laughs> with us. But then there's been incredible bonding for them uh, with their stepmother too. And the, the girls will just go off mm-hmm. with my friend's wife and they'll just do their ladies thing. And it's, it's just been such an unexpected journey. So cool. I can't, it's just so been cool. <laughs> did they ask to join you or did you and your wife decide this could be a, a family activity? So as we were describing to them what we had been doing, you could see the interest. Mm-hmm. So we put it out to them saying, this is something that you would be interested in doing with us. and. The answer was, yeah, we would love to, we would love to try it, but we went out in the daytime, you know, Mm -hmm. to like a local, um, to a local ghost town out in the woods of Maryland, somewhere that was, you know, where there's plenty of sun, there's an exit plan, but they were interested right at the outset, but we've always enjoyed watching scary movies together and some of the ghost shows together. So it was, that was a a fairly uh, easy fit, but we wanted to make sure one that, yeah, they were interested in doing it. And then also you know, letting them know that if you're not into this in any way, if it's too spooky or if you're just completely bored, it's not something that you have to do with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I yeah. think giving those, making them feel like there is an option and there is not any consequence for, you know, being scared or just not playing, not wanting to do it. Uh, I think that's important with, you know, anything that we're engaging with our kids mm-hmm. and always making yeah. them feel like at least for activities like this, that there is, there is an option. You know, there always is an option. Well, you just, you just in a wonderful way, inspiring way and intriguing way did answer the question. Can you instill a family ritual, an, an, an adult type family activity as a ritual in an age appropriate way with your kids? Absolutely. Yeah. You've done it, yeah, the, right? You've the done ans- it. The answer is the answer is yes and mm-hmm. and it's and it is extremely extremely rewarding. It's extremely rewarding and it becomes something very special that you get to share mm-hmm. as a family, which then in turn makes the activity itself all the more meaningful. Totally. And the uh the unintended or intended consequences of um Increased confidence and exploration and reduced anxiety and building that like, I can do this. Like that's... that's Absolutely. It comes down to it when you are in a stressful situation and you spent, you know, an hour in the dark and you were feeling pretty stressed and then you ended up, you know, getting through it and feeling good about it and feeling good about yourself. And then the next time it was easier and then the next time it was easier when you realize you can apply these these lessons to other things in life, I mean, then mm-hmm. the, the the rewards are are right there. Yes. So please tell everyone your <laughs> Instagram and your podcast, so people who are interested in this type of family activity can learn more. Yeah, abs- absolutely. So the podcast is called "Don't Turn Around." It's available on all the major podcast outlets there. Just search for Don't Turn Around, and then you'll find the show on Instagram. Uh, We've got a page up there. It's at Don't Turn Around Podcast. And those are the best ways to uh, track it down if you're 
if you're interested. Check it out, everyone. Phil has, uh, I've heard several stories over the last few years and uh, <laughs> I've listened to the podcasts yep, and yep, uh, it right. is really cool. It is really cool. And I love the idea of a family tradition uh, and starting yeah. starting this for years yeah. to come. Yeah, I, cool. I really do think this is this has yeah. some legs to it, as, as nice. they say. Nice. All right, everyone. We are wishing you all a happy spooky Halloween yes. as this is coming out very close to that. Um, have fun with the wonder and the magic and the imagination and creativity that comes with this very fun holiday. Um, you guys know what to do uh, to, to get this because you're here and that is subscribing on the Wondery app to hear all of our bonus episodes and our podcast ad-free. Thank you for listening to our weekly episode, Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan, and that's on Thursdays. Continue to follow us with all the places that you do at Parent Footprint Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. Thank you for rating, your five-star reviewing, and you're subscribing and bringing everyone to our community. And finally, I will leave you with that guiding question you all know so well. What footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Mountain Spring High, composed and performed by Gabriel Lewis. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.